0: Friends and listeners, welcome to World Brew Workshop, where we like to take pieces of our world building that anyone can really take, ideas, and start building something that we can use and anyone can really use. I am Brewmaster Nick, and here are your other two Brewmasters. Brewmaster Nick.
1: Brewmaster Nate, what's up?
0: All right, so this is actually going to be a part two on a continuing story where we were discussing a city that is an oasis in the desert if you have not listened to that one yet i suggest that you go and listen to that one first uh, as to put a lot of context to what we're about to get into but we are about to do just a brief recap so essentially we have this large machine in the middle of the desert it is from an ancient civilization that functions uh in several layers there is a city built around it with walls that distinguished the the classes. That's what we spent majority of our time discussing. Towards the very end, we started to establish a guild and different ruling powers, which we ended with a triumvirate. This episode, we are planning on discussing the three different sects. We each took a different sect to flesh it out so each one of us will be discussing in great detail a different part and hopefully we can all start work to get working together to build more detail in this city. Anything you guys would like to add before we get going?
1: I don't really remember where we left it off last time. I don't know if we discussed this off camera or on record but to break down kind of who has what faction we're talking about Uh, myself has the guild nick J. he has kind of young money casino and entertainment baron entertainment baron
0: a little bit of the young upstart the one that is in charge of the racetracks and the casinos and we did uh pitch the small idea of he basically runs the entertainment district with the brothels and different things and then uh which one were you taking
2: yeah, so I took the uh, the monarchy. Um <clears throat> the monarchy' has been in power for uh, some time in terms of you know policing the city and uh, providing s- uh, security around the city, as well as collecting taxes, um, trying to help fund things and keep uh, some basic services going for the populace. They also they've been around for 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 a while, at least uh, five hundred years or so, I would say. Um, This particular monarchy itself. Um, I also was in charge of establishing the church, which is going to be the church or the temple of uh, St. Clarice. She's the patron saint of water. Um, but I'd, I'd like some ideas with that. Um, I only got so far with that. Um, I established kind of like how the church might run in the city. But in terms of the history of the saint and what she does, I tried to leave that relatively vague. So you guys could have some input on that.
1: As part of the guild, I we kind of talked that I would have something like the ancient history involved. I made it pretty light. Again, if, if we wanted to add to it, we could. Give it plenty of space to breathe if we want to come in later and add something to it. I think that's pretty good for letting all the people at home know where we're at. Well, Nate... They-
2: You want to tell us us about your Artificer's Guild, bud?
1: All right. All right. So I prepped a little, um, almost like a little blurb, creative writing blurb down to kind of bring in another thing. When we were talking about splitting up the main factions, we talked about that we should each come up with at least one main character to bring into the guild or bring in you know our token member and part of the ruling party. So in my little blurb we're going to kind of introduce him and then we also between the three of us thought we should all come up with a little um, like a little secret that our faction has that the other ones don't know just for you know a little flavor a little fun and I was thinking If you were going to bring this into like a fantasy game, D&D, then these kind of work as good like mission goals and stuff like that to work off of. So here's my little blurb. The silence in the room is deafening. The machines reaching up to the shadowy heights of the chamber deep under the tower, their presence felt by so few in this secluded space. There's a man here, which isn't uncommon over the generations since the tower has been rediscovered. Guild stewards come in to expect, interpret, and discuss, but never have the machines broken their silence for them. But there's a man here. A quiet man, a tall man, an aged man. Lowell Gage leans over a table lit by an alchemical lamp, delicately ingesting tiny bits of machinery to be just so. It's taken a while to gather all the materials to make this machine, months of backdoor work by guild stewards to pay for the materials, longer to craft the parts down to scale, but keep them structurally sound. This project's been in the works for years and years. Even though he knows better than to expect too much for a first experiment, he can't help but give in to his growing excitement. The looming cylindrical shaped machines look down on Lowell, like sentinels in the dark, as he turns the last fastener on his model. Maybe one-sixteenth of the size of the silent machines, for that's all he could ethically expend from the guild's coffers on personal research. Even though as the guild's grandmaster, the funds are his to do with as he pleases, he feels like he should be frugal in his old age to make up for the grand expenditures of his youth. Lul connects up the model to the bottom of a water tank from one of the mills above and attaches the wire from the model to a reproduction of one of the many glass oddities found in the early days of the tower. Lull takes a deep breath and says the guild's blessing of invention as he pulls open the gate to let the water run through the model. As the water swirls and the blades begin to spin, there's a hum. It's a small thing, hardly audible over the sound of flowing water, but it's a sound, the sound that the room has been missing for centuries. As the hum grows louder and the blades spin faster in the model there's a fizzle and then a small spark as the glass tube begins to glow illuminating lul and repelling the shadows back to the corners of the room bringing the massive generators in the tower into view so as a little um a little breakdown we have a uh, lul gage he's the grandmaster of the guild and and the secret is deep in the tower there's a bunch of electrical water turbines that aren't currently connected to the the system. So Lull in the guild has electricity. We didn't really talk too much about the level of magic here. And assuming that there is any kind of magic, I think he would just assume that this is like a magic generator that generates magic force. If not, and maybe over the course of studying they find out it's a completely like different or separate force from like electrical magic or lightning magic that kind of thing. So that's a bit of the guild secret and a little bit about my my character and it kind of goes into the guild too. We had talked about off camera the main building up of the city has happened within the last like 80 years before that it was largely just like a stopping post. The tower was working and the guild has been taking care of the tower for like centuries, but the, the uh, entertainment side of things is a fairly new expansion in the city's population.
0: From my side of things, the, if I could interject real quick, the entertainment would have only been, most of it would have been done within the last 10 to 15 years.
1: All right. And what my character has kind of done is the guild has been pretty one purpose. Just keep the tower running, improve the infrastructure to make sure everyone has water. But in his early years, because he's been the grandmaster for the guild for 45 ish years He had taken a lot of bribes from private businessmen and uh, wealthy nobles to give direct lines of water to these establishments and mansions. And little by little, he's kind of whittled away the water supply, making the town what it is with the access to water being limited for certain classes of people. But now in his old age, he's kind of looked back at his life and seen that he has done a lot of wrong. He wants to to uh, pull that back, put the guild back into a good place of getting water to people and filling up the guild's coffers. Because I was thinking, too, the guild has to have money to buy on parts. is going to be very expensive to bring like metals and lumber in through the desert to the tower. And I figured the city itself would have some kind of like tax for people coming in and a portion of that would go to keeping the tower running. But yeah, there's a
2: tax on the businesses and a toll on the passage.
1: Yeah. But I figure funds were still pretty short. And so that was another reason that the guild had to start siphoning away water from the public supply to go private. I also kind of figured as far as like these generators go, I made a little reference to it that parts inside of the massive generators in his little model generator are very expensive. It would be financially unreasonable to make these elsewhere seemed pretty neat to me
0: so one thing that i want to touch upon at the very beginning of that when you were just doing your uh blurb explaining everything you came up with a self-sustaining renewable energy where this turbine is creating water which then gives them electricity only for this group but is that then used to help power the turbine again is it just self-sustaining?
1: Um, I guess kind of, because we had talked that this big tower is like a windmill. And when I was thinking how or like where the water is coming from, instead of doing like a magical source, I was thinking this is just a really insanely large well. And the windmill's mill's turning like an auger that's bringing water up from this big underground reserve. And I was thinking just gravity will take some of that water and run it through the turbine. It spins the blades and
2: there'd have to be a reservoir somewhere to uh, like a mass collection to to store water to like pressurize the system.
1: Yeah. I kind of figured that we don't have to get super deep into the, the engineer bits. We can just be like, it's a tower. It produces water. The water that it produces feed these generators, and the generators work from there. So the water isn't used up. It can go back into the system. Yeah, whether what that means as far as the rest of the city is concerned, I don't know. What does electricity mean for a civilization like this? Is it just light bulbs? I like
2: the idea of it being a beacon, like in the dark. You can see it from miles away. It's like Vegas. You, you see it as just like a massive in the distance. Like if you're in a caravan and you're like still like 20 miles out, you can look out on the horizon and see this giant light beacon.
0: Well, quick question. Wasn't Nate's explanation that only the guild members know that they have electricity, right? But what if
2: just the windmill itself is what's lit? This giant spire that's kind of lit and that's like where the guild...
0: Maybe they just explained it as magical.
1: I don't know. Like when I was thinking of this, I had thrown in these glass oddities that were found around the tower. And so I imagine that there's the generators were powering the tower in some way, shape or form, whether there's other electrical machines, no one has figured out the use for yet because they hadn't figured out, you know, the powering mechanism if you showed someone a light bulb who had no idea what electricity was, what would they think of it? It would just be. Yeah. Even if it was like, wasn't lit, it would just be like this delicate thing with a wire in the middle of it and weird metal bits. So I kind of went back and forth on whether or not I wanted to have like the tower itself and maybe parts of the ancient city having some kind of ancient electrical setup, but I figure that'd be a little like suspicious. So in my mind, the guild just discovered electricity. Maybe it's like a year or two from, you know, the the current date that we're kind of working off of, and they've been secretly figuring out all its uses and what they can do with it. And so that's kind of their ace in the hole to, Hopefully use electricity as a way to um, buy back some of the water supply in exchange, trying to find a way to make more water using electricity. Who knows? Maybe they just think it's magic, like this is just magic created by machines, whereas up to this point, only people do magic, you know?
0: did you have any final points on uh your guild in general uh before we get ready to move on or just the guild as a whole maybe an idea of like how many members you had
1: um yeah good thing to bring up i figured the guild probably has like 100 to 150 members i mentioned in the blurb I thought instead of calling everything workshop or workshops that they just called everything a mill. So like a glass mill, wood mill, that kind of thing. And I imagine there's kind of a big enclosed workshop area split into sections for all these different specialties for the artificers. And another thing with the guild money woes, I had also considered that on the side, be building and selling little um, crafts for people, slot machines and table games and stuff for your casinos. They can be building little oddities and entertainments for the Royal family. Lens had mentioned it would be cool if there was like sand machines and so I did come up with a little idea for desert travel machines, at least for like a local area. I, uh, I call them sand skiffs and they're just like little boats with sails that kind of mimic the towers, big sails or the towers, wind blades. And it catches the wind and turns some almost like snowmobile tracks on the bottom. So they're like, little wind-powered snowmobiles. And I figure they're more of a... Um, they're more of, like, a novelty because the wind... While we had previously talked that the wind around the tower is pretty constant and strong to keep the tower running, when you get outside of this, like, stream esque area, they probably won't work very well. And if you don't have a lot of wind, you're going to be stranded with them, so... But also, now that they know electricity exists, they can use that to build other generators, make engines, that kind of thing. Who knows? Maybe that's another in-the-guild pipeline.
2: So it would be fair to assume that for now we're still relying on animals to pull carts, wagons, things like that. But that there might be some some more high-tech uh, vehicles on the way, sort of like early 1800s, you know, style.
1: Yeah, that's kind of what I'm thinking. I feel like once people have the thought that we can use this other power or machines to power things, and then it's going to be, you know, an industrial boom. So the guild is kind of holding that and trying to figure out all the different things they can do with this new energy before it... Tells you guys what it has. They want to be the people to capitalize on it and make sure that they they use its potential well because they kind of squandered the the water situation previously. You know. So,
2: so let me ask a question. Um, so, like, if we're thinking about the world that we're creating, do we feel like this guild would be as educated and advanced as say like a a large main city or capital artificers guild might be or like what level of technology do you think our city has versus something like that do you feel like we're more advanced uh because of our circumstance or i
1: personally imagine that we are up there as far as technology maybe not the the most technologically uh, advanced places, but up there, I figured years of the guild finding ancient machines and studying the build processes and materials and stuff used in the construction of this big tower gave them a leg up on on guilds elsewhere. We haven't, you know there could be other like ancient, artifacts like this tower around that people have gained a lot of technical knowledge from. But I figure the guild has based a lot of their knowledge off of this ancient knowledge and they're advanced because of it. And they've brought the city along. So we have a pretty advanced city for the rest of the world.
2: Awesome. I like it. I dig it. Should should we figure out a name do we feel like right now, talk about the name of, of the place? Yeah. Oh, the
0: city, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's kind of right in the middle of all the... Because uh, we still have two more to explain, but I guess we can do a short ad break for the name.
1: All right, so I, I jotted down a couple, and if it's cool with you guys, I can read them out, and you can just give a yay or nay on them.
0: I, I just have one... I'll just throw that out right now, and then we can move on to your guys's. Because we're discussing that it's a Triumvirate. So I have the Triumvirate of the Desert, the Sands Respite. It's otherwise known as the Respite. That is the modern name.
1: All right. Um, The ones I have are uh, the Fountain of the Southern Wastes. I have Iona's Tower. I figured Iona could be the the first guild artificer who discovered the tower and made it work. And so the tower is named after her. And then the town can be like Ionis or something like that. I have Central City. The idea that it's kind of in the center of the desert. It's kind of Pokemon-ish to call it just Central City. but
0: No, it's it's Full Metal Alchemist. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Then I don't know if you guys know this, but in a lot of my whenever I have to name fantasy places, I just type in words into like Google Translate, find things that I like the ring of, and then maybe tweak them just a tiny bit to make them sound better. So we have Van Tarn, which is w- of bastardization of uh, Water Tower in Dutch and Dynas duer which is again like an embellished bastardization of City of Water in Welsh
2: I like Dynas duer that sounds cool as shit
1: yeah the, the, the last one I have is Lelon Letty and I just thought that was fun because I don't know I, I, I like that one Dinosaur.
2: it sounds pretty fucking cool it sounds like you're headed i don't know dinosaur. it sounds if you say like Dynas, it's like uh it makes you think of like dynasty or something like that and then i think of like caesar's palace
0: it has it has that ring of you know las vegas that's what we're going
1: for so it works
2: so Dynas would it be d-y-a-n-s and then d-u-e-r
1: The way I have it written out is uh, D-I-N-A-S-D-E-W-R.
2: I I think that's cool as shit. I also like the Ionia or whatever you said. Um, I like that the lore behind the tower. One thing I was was thinking of is having um, St. Clarice, because it was the Church of St. Clarice, having Mm -hmm. Clarice either be a martyred saint where she was offering water to somebody outside of her class and was punished for it at one point a way back, or maybe she was one of the first people. Maybe she was like a little girl that just happened to find this big thing in the middle of this waste because she got lost or something back when the area was first discovered. I don't know. There was a few different things I thought of, but I I didn't, like I said, I didn't expand on it, but the dentist, I like Dennis Doer in terms of like the name yeah
1: i'm I'm an I, I
0: can get behind that one if there's no other competitors
1: Dennis Doer works the name of like the government what was your um, uh, like the government name the you government with, name? or you, the name for your um or your the, like city name had kind of the
0: i I had the it was a full long name the the triumvirate of the desert is the explanation and then the Sands respite is supposed to be the name of the city but then people generally would just refer to it as the respite
2: what if the respite or the, the respite is the name of the district the leisure district people I'm, just I'm call fine it the with,
0: respite I'm fine with that because I don't necessarily want to throw it out
2: I think it's good I think we should use it I think you just called the whole entertainment district the respite and that's what it's commonly referred to as done and done you know, it'd be like it'd be like the Strip or something like that. You quit, know? quit making my but, um, brain
0: go to New Vegas because that's all. <laughs> I had so much trouble not making my guy Benny
2: from, so from Fallout. Yeah. <laughs> no, I also think that the triumvirate could be mentioned. It could be called Dennis doer home to the triumvirate three or something like that, or home to the you know.
0: I'm. Um, I'm good with all that. We we took yeah. a bunch of ideas and the ones that didn't immediately fit, we fi- we find a way to stick those in somewhere. So my district can be known as the Respite.
1: All right. And Nick, what was the uh the same Saint 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 again? All right. We can make Saint Clarice, we can make her the person that discovered the tower or even like the first artificer but have it kind of be like a separate thing from deal from the guild she can be the local saint of water or we can build it off of you know she's more of a global saint and she has her own backstory or whatever. I'm honestly
2: fine with either with either of those options I like the notion of one of our earlier episodes we had come up with a saint who I thought was really neat and In thinking about that, I thought about expanding the uh, Pantheon, if you will, and maybe naming some of our lower gods saints instead of gods, necessarily. So, like, you can have still a god structure, but then you would have saints beneath gods that are, like, patron saints of different things.
0: A lot of fantasy lore kind of does similar things. I mean, the whole calling them saints is new, but there are characters that ascend to a Godhood status right. or a lesser God. I, I, I do think we're getting a little bit on in time. So I think it'd be, I think we should just launch ourselves into your district. Uh, Nick, uh, because you're, you've been kind of hinting sure. at it for a couple minutes, but I think we should just launch right into it. So whenever you're ready.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Essentially we've got, you know, the three factions vying for control of the city in some way. Maybe not necessarily control, but maintaining their order or trying to, like, you know, figure out where they where they fall in this new order. My section was, you know, the 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 monarchy figuring out how that plays into everything. The name of my uh, my queen, we're going to for now, we're going to call her we're going to call her Lady Ada. Um, Her name is Adelaide Cirilla de Montclair. Lady Ada grew up under the rule of her father, King Amon de Montclair. Uh, They called him the Serpentine Hammer. Her mother was uh, Queen Azola. Um, At the age of 10, uh, Queen Azola placed Ada in the Temple of St. Clarice, the Water Bearer, to be educated and indoctrinated. Living a devout life in relative solitude, uh, Lady Ada was only granted leave by the temple on holy days or when the king summoned her to be present at an important state banquet. Upon her 16th birthday, Lady Ada had begun leading priestesses in their rituals, uh, eventually taking over for the high priestess, who grew feeble and could no longer serve. It was in this role that the abbess, that Lady Ada, began interacting with the people of the city uh, more often. Um, so she became the abbess of the temple, which is essentially the, the high priestess, the person in charge of um, the rest of the, the temple. Um, by the time she was 16. So she was relatively gifted in, in terms of like her spirituality and being a believer, a devout, a very kind and passionate person, very giving, um, giving herself over to a higher power under her kind and humble leadership. The temple began offering much needed services, filling needs that weren't being met by the ruling class, uh, particularly her father and the rest of the nobles. Um, The way they just were leading things kind of began to slip a bit. And uh, you know, Class separation um, started becoming more of an issue, um, as we said, within the, you know, the past 15 to 20 years is kind of our timeline for when things started to become, uh, to kind of get to where they are today, the mass um, separation and issues um, that have been created. So it's around this time that Ada was serving in the temple that she uh, really started interacting with the people of the lower class and realizing um, just how desperate their their plight was and their situation was, you know, becoming and also um, beginning to realize that there might be some problems arising that aren't being addressed. Fast forward a little bit. um, On Ada's 19th birthday, King Amon hosted a banquet in her honor. Ada, humbled by years of servitude, struggled being the center of attention. Um, Shortly after the banquet concluded, King Amon pulled Ada aside and made it clear uh, to her that she would be named his successor, him having not been granted any kind of a male heir. Ada always knew that this was the path that was going to be awaiting her um, and that she would be called to lead one day, uh, but she did hope that it might be put off and that it wouldn't be for a while yet. King Amon requested that Ada begin shadowing her on matters of state, trade, and security, things that Ada had very little experience with. You know, her father calls her aside um, around her 19th birthday and says, you know, you've been to the temple this whole time, taught the ways of our our, our church and our temple, And now it's time that you started learning how to rule. So he begins kind of pairing her up with advisors and uh, his teachers um, that to be honest, probably aren't very good. Um, They probably are part of the reason why things have gotten to where they are because a lot of them are disgruntled and they're beginning to see that there's other opportunities. Maybe they're either giving or accepting bribes and starting to kind of do things behind the King's back going forward two years from this point. Under the guidance of Eamon's advisors, they tried to separate her as much as they could from the city. Um, Ada now finds herself serving as a diplomat. Um, she frequently travels to neighboring kingdoms, trying to maintain peace, uh, bolstering trade partnerships. It was at this time, uh, one evening in some no-name city, uh, that Ada met a young man named Edmund Delange, a wealthy businessman from this, from this, uh, this random place. Ada fell quite instantly and stupidly in love with him. She didn't really engage too much with him. Um, She was kind of shy and reserved. But Ada did have her confidant, Bartol, kind of discover all there was to know about this guy. Within a couple of days, Ada knew everything about him. We're going to save the rest of that for later. I'm not going to really get into this whole relationship too much more.
1: That seems pretty sus. (laughs) Okay.
2: Uh, Anyway, (laughs) so we're going to save that tale. Because no sooner did Ada arrive um, in this place than she received a message of the uh, untimely demise of her parents. It would seem that King Amon and Queen Asola were found dead in their bedchamber. They were poisoned by a rare desert spider um, that had been thought to have been extinct. Um, nobody had seen one of these types of spiders in a long time, but it was found in their, in their bed, uh, dead next to them with bite marks. So they assumed that this was foul play king had made many enemies at this point and ada had, had been gone for the past two years so she wasn't really here to see this part of the decline um no evidence could be found but it was clear that someone wanted to put an end to the old guard make way for something new lady ada was summoned back uh, immediately to fulfill her duty and assume the seat of power upon her return lady ada found her city in a state of crisis at least in the sense that you know things had shifted completely Obviously, there's a lot of problems right now at this point in our history, uh, where we're at. So now at the age of 22, Queen Ada uh, has her work cut out for rebuilding trust in the monarchy and uh, that her father had kind of let slip into disorder. Um, As the new queen, Ada has implemented a few mandates, just things that, um, you know, she felt were necessary. She created the Charter of the Red Dawn which is uh, simultaneously uh, reestablishing the order of the blue serpent, which had been disbanded a long, long time ago. Uh, It's a partnership between the temple, sort of the Knights of the monarchy. So they're kind of forming this new order that is going to try to maintain and bolster security. Um, She also reformed her Queens guard. She disbanded all of the old Queens guard because she couldn't trust any of them. Um, And she's brought in completely new people. She uh, is trying to triple the tax rate on the leisure district right now and is getting pushback on that. Obviously Um, she's proclaiming herself to be the beggar's queen representing the lower class of the society. And she's trying to reunify the people under her um, that make up the the majority of these lower impoverished people secretly. She kind of wants to make water free for all citizens and do away with the class structure something that she kind of learned to hate at her, during her time at the temple. This, uh, this idea is kind of refuted, I think, a little bit by the Artificer's Guild, possibly, who supplies the water and controls the network of, like, sluice gates and, you know, how the water is delivered and all of everything to do with the water supply. So she's kind of fighting a bit of a battle there, possibly. The bulk of her force is referred to as the Azure Knights. Um, I figured, like, maybe one of the colors for the city could be blue, She also kind of wants to secretly disband the unseen triumvirate or the, the triumvirate and kind of establish a Republic to some regard. So that's, that's kind of where I'm at with things.
0: So I had two quick questions. Number one, what was the, what was her age Uh, as, as of current 22? 22? Okay. When we were discussing this, I, my, my guy is actually older than, than yours. Just for just for reference, when I get to it, yeah, really? I placed my guy. I placed my guy at like okay. like 28, 29, like almost thirty. That that's fine. It, it it can work out anyways. My guy's story is just going to be said how it
2: is. I liked the. I liked. I think we had talked briefly about timeline and how like there had been this recent kind of uh, trend towards what mm. where things are going. So I wanted her. I wanted her to kind of have grown up. Seeing this whole thing kind of fall by the wayside, like this whole old way of doing things kind of start to go downhill, you
0: know. No, it entirely works out. Uh, number two, I, I might not have caught this, but what was your secret?
2: The secret has something to do with Edmund Delange.
0: Oh, you didn't reveal um, that
1: yet.
2: Okay, I haven't completely revealed revealed the secret yet. Mm-hmm.
1: So. All right. Well, before you do, uh, to chime in a bit on. Um, you'd mentioned the guilds the guild's thought on the class structure in the city. And I've personally kind of thought that the guild's goal is kind of water for everyone who wants it, but over time that's just been whittled away to water for those that can't afford it. If you come up to, the thing begging then like yeah guild artificer might pour you a water skin or something but you have to work for it you know where i think the guild's at is they maybe look down on people who can't who can't afford water at all
2: and that's where the that's where the queen kind of tries to want she, she sees a need that's not being met or like maybe because of the You know, the the new economy or whatever people are, maybe it's increasing the disparity and and maybe it's not being addressed. And now it's becoming a problem. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I don't know if we were talking about this as an idea last episode, like a water ration for everyone in town. You know, you get two water chips a day and a water chip is good for like one liter of water or something like that. Then, you know, the poor that's enough to water to get by, but there's not enough to cook with, not enough to clean with. And water chips can be a bit of like a sub currency.
2: Yeah, maybe you get paid out in the slot machines and water chips. You're just adding
0: fuel to my proverbial fire. This is gets piled on top of my
2: stuff. Do we feel like everything's meshing well, though, so far? Like, it it
0: works, so you s- are the governing military power. Not military, but you are the governing power with the weapons to be able to back up your claim with a strong link to this church. Then we have the guild that kind of keeps the town running because if they weren't there, then the town would just fall apart. Right.
1: Yeah, I can I can flip a switch and have everyone be uh, I, I was assuming from the
0: onset that all three of our creations and guilds would be completely different mm. from each other Na- like naturally the way they were set up was we were not building anything in similar yeah. ways
2: the way i imagine this is like you and Nate have at least 80% of the nobles paid off and I'm struggling to maintain loyalty from like the 20% that have always supported my house.
1: Yeah, that works. Yeah. I kind of imagine that my guild is almost kind of isolationists compared to you guys where we have a purpose. We, we build things, we create things, the politics of the city. We don't see it as really our problem. Like as long as the water flows and you know, we can keep, working on our own projects, then, like, we we can give a damn about what you guys are doing as far as politics go. the the
2: guild are the ones who are in control of the water, though, and, like, how it is dispersed and released and who gets it.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I had thought that's kind of the failing of Lowell here is he's kind of bought into the politics a little more Mm -hmm. than other past guild grandmasters have it was the beginning of the fall from grace for the guild but you know i'm interested come on give us give us your secret so
2: um for starters part of her secret is um she is a bit maddened with vengeance right now um she really wants to find out who murdered or uh who's who's responsible for murdering her parents so she's not above throwing around wild accusations Although she has kept herself from making any accusations at this point, some time could have passed since her parents had been killed, but the wound still feels very near and uh, very close to her. Um, so she's on a mission. Um, she is. Um, she kind of feels like she has not just the divine right to rule, but also the. Um, she she has like a mandate at this point. Um, she feels like to try to make make right the wrongs of her. Of her father. Um, She also might have a secret relationship going on with a very powerful noble from a neighboring kingdom who could provide some financial relief or some type of support to help her or assist her. I think that's kind of where I threw Edmund into things. Maybe that relationship is a bit more than it seems. Um, She may even be hiding a pregnancy.
1: I feel that some more um, political game. I guess we hadn't really talked about it, but I just can't imagine that this um, the city is like its own city state Mm -hmm. kind of deal. Am I right in assuming that
2: the way we talked about it last time was or maybe this is just what I suggested that it be a very unique situation where like this city state because of its location. Nobody wants to lay claim to it. And it is self-sustaining enough and retains neutrality enough has been allowed by the larger neighboring kingdoms to exist on its own. Or maybe just because the nature of it being like a site of power means that it's granted some type of sovereignty.
1: Yeah. I like the idea that it's kind of like a, um, like an Athens style place where it is self-governing can take care of itself and then a part of this uh secret relationship there's can be like a power struggle where let's say she is pregnant then there's going to be some kind of power struggle between that child and connecting these two kingdoms then you can get into whether or not the uh our city let me pull the name up uh dynas doer wants to be absorbed by the other country or growing political tension based on this you know, possible child in right. the future. What's your ideas on how the church operates? So the
2: church mainly is, uh, you know, it, it acts as more of a philanthropic institution. Um, it's a place of faith in times of loss and times of grief or great need. It also serves as a school where they educate young girls and boys. It's probably, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to get into like how it's ran or how the schools ran necessarily. I wouldn't say it's like a Catholicist type of, if we're making parallels, I wouldn't say it's like that. Maybe it's a little bit more liberal um, in terms of how it's ran and what their teachings are. But um. Maybe it's not, maybe it it is super indoctrinated and it's very much about teaching. I guess it has a lot to do with the lore behind St. Cerise really in what, what it was that she stood for. And, but I do believe that it's a place of faith, this, the site of this, this well being an ever flowing thing that constantly provides, uh, you know, nourishment for, for the surrounding people is a very like inspiring type of thing. So it seems fitting that like, a saint of water or something like that would call this place, her, her uh, base or basis or whatever, like the place she's from because it's an oasis essentially at its, at its heart. The, the temple itself has a, has its own hierarchy. It's got, it's uh, like a, you know, probably different wings to it. I imagine it's a relatively sizable uh, place. And I would assume it's probably in very close proximity, if not on the same grounds as like the Royal Palace, if there is a palace or like how I'm not quite sure how that works. But I imagine there's like a palace, a barracks and then like this church all somewhat in proximity to each other. And then there's uh, probably various guard posts and uh, guard stations along the city walls and in some you know strategic locations around the city. I think I also mentioned at one point that they're going to provide security. Um, The Azure Knights are going to provide security for the bank um, or whatever the financial institution that kind of exchanges money. They don't necessarily run it. I think it should be an independently run institution, but I think that the Azure Knights provide security for it. I think, yeah, that's probably about it. I mean... The legal system is something I didn't really want to dive into too much because I, I know legal things can have different ramifications on your institutions as well. So I didn't want to get too heavy into like what's illegal, what's not, what can be, you know, like what, what I'm going to enforce. I thought that tax taxes were kind of a no brainer and the only way like any kind of government or federal or monarch institution would be able to expand power is by increasing taxes and, you know tapping into your your revenue so that made sense so that's what i went with
1: yeah i think you're right not getting into the legal side of things i think we can kind of leave that you know in the air kind of nebulous that works with me especially with uh you know young money cash water it's my water and i need it now over here who's yet to Speak. I figure the the legal system and law enforcement is kind of vague when it comes down to it. All bought up and bribed. You're gonna know about Young Money in just a moment.
2: I can't wait. I'm I'm anticipating big things. Go for it. Go now.
1: Yeah, yeah. Put up or I, I would say shut up, but we we need you here.
0: All right. So. My gentleman, his name is Aragal. He has no last name, for he gave it up when arriving out of the desert, coming into the city from the wastes. With him being the only member upon a cart of various goods and sundries, he arrived here near dehydration and half starved. Seeing this oasis as an opportunity... He sold all of his goods, got himself a good drink of water, and began some for at first honest businesses, but before long he started to see better and better opportunities. Aragol began the idea of a casino. Horse races, gambling, people arriving here as they're traveling as a nice place to relax and to give away their hard-earned pay. Now, along with the dice and cards and different games he has set up, he lives in the penthouse above it. And this is the empire which is now known as the Respite that he has spent the last 10 years building up, where he eventually rose to power and became the third member of the Triumvirate with his mass amount of wealth that he's managed to gain. He is now one of the only members of the entire city that deals with trade, having a past as a trader himself. The caravans that come in and out of the city, they have a part of him And his empire that he's now built to thank for uh, all the goods that are coming into the city. On top of that, he runs all the more shady businesses, the brothels. Anyone that comes in and they lose all their wealth at the the casino, he manages to find work for. He is a man that you always have to have a stacked deck. He always has an ace up his sleeve. And he is always trying his best to be one step ahead of anyone. Now, getting quickly into what his secret is. This man that has built up this empire amidst amidst the desert. He is using the traders that he has come to form connections with. To do his bidding elsewhere. So when they go to trade he also gives them orders to start building up his own privatized militia. Using the money that he has laundered and acquired within his businesses in the city, uh, he has now began to develop his own private militia. And he is not immediately ready to act, but he is waiting for an opportunity where he can seize power... And become the sole, uh, sole ruler of this entire city, or city state.
1: Man, that's gonna be really hard to do when you uh, don't have any drinking water, huh?
0: <laughs> One thought I had is that he probably would be almost waiting for the older uh, gentleman running the tower to die. He, I, yeah. I also have it written in here that uh, he would have a backup. So essentially, if, if he were to die, then his militia would come in under the guise of uh, traitors and uh, ca- cause a Trojan horse kind of situation where they come into the city and then they would lay siege.
1: Right, so he's yeah.
0: using, he's securing his own military power.
1: Yeah, and I assume if he had, you know, this grand plan to seize power and knowing that the guild can cut off water, that he'd be storing it somewhere. He's
0: he's not immediately ready to act. This is still a developing plan. He is is slowly gathering the tools and supplies he needs, and he also knows that time is a little bit on his side.
1: Mm -hmm. I kind of assumed... My guy, like you said, he's at the end of his term. He's probably looking to retire in a couple of years. So there'll be a new head of the guild soon. And most of the, I imagine most of the people in my guild are probably much more favorable favorable to you as a faction because they're young people. They'll go out and have entertainment at your places they've worked in building machines and oddities and stuff for your businesses they probably are more favorable for you so you know once my guy dies like i'm gonna think you'll have an easier time taking over the guild. the
0: military power is being secured to uh deal with uh the church and lady ava
2: Ada. But yes, Lady oh, Ada Ada Lady Ada um, you know I don't I, I highly doubt she is probably aware of the, the full scale of of what you got going on. I think that she knows that power is slipping um at least, at least economically and she that's one of the reasons why she's began also trying to like reestablish her knights and bring in people who are trusted. I think it would be really cool to explore the fact that Lady Ada has connections in other kingdoms, and the fact that you are also—I would have no clue—sending uh, sending traitors, uh, you know, to these other kingdoms to secure, uh, you know, militia strength or even arms.
0: Yeah, one of us would get found out. And eventually. I think I think it
2: would be interesting to build a, another city, essentially, where that whole conflict could kind of come into play too, somewhere down the road.
0: Well my idea is that he's sending them out to various cities, different places, so it it would be hiring
2: mercenaries. I could see like a big like a big port city to the south mm. where, you know, you're bringing in like mercenaries from even like distant places or maybe even pirate mercenaries who are, you know, just blades for hire.
0: Go to the sea pirates and ask them if they want to be desert pirates. Yeah.
1: You said sea pirates and desert pirates, and I had thrown up the idea of, you know, little sand skiffs. What if we time skip like twenty years, the war's on, we just have sand pirates, the guild has built these big like Jawa sand crawlers, and that's the battle ships. So all right. Different episode, different thing. Well, well, but I'm sorry. Well, Continue. so here's the thing
0: Aragol <laughs> doesn't want there to be this big grand battle. He wants it to be a, a single knight. He wants he calculated. He wants to hold all of the cards. So with this with these issues going on in the city of people not getting the water that they might necessarily need. Yes, he is this. Really, really crummy dude. Because he wants to take advantage of them. So, if you bring this military power in. And all of a sudden they are laying siege to the city. But not to the people that are the workers. They wouldn't be laying siege on the everyday commoner. They would be laying siege on your the the two of your uh, factions. They'd be going after the guard. And they'd be cutting the head off of the snake. For my guy, Aragal, to rise as the new as the new monarch of this city because of the the lack of trust that these people would have in the triumvirate at this
2: point, yeah, he sees an opportunity to seize power mm-hmm.
0: yeah, I mean, it wouldn't be that difficult to for him just to say start planting the seeds in the street that he's you know he's a man of the
2: people. Yeah. I think propaganda would play heavily in your favor. I think that I'm approaching this from a perspective of lady Ada as a reputation with the, the people, especially the lower classes of, you know, providing them with sustenance, education, and possibly medical services um, by the, through the church. It's going to take some work on your part to really while their faith in the church and the monarchy has been shaken they still rely on the services that we provide. Does that make sense?
0: Yes. So that is why I'm unable to act immediately. But I'm, right. but I'm attempting, or Aragol's attempting to secure this power. God, I'm going at this almost like a and d character, just straight up thinking, if I was this guy, what, what would I be going through my head? So I might... Slip. When we're building characters like these, I have the tendency to start slipping into that mindset.
2: Yeah. I think there's. I think that we've done a great job building a powder keg, and any party or setting or characters that walk into this have so many possibilities.
0: Well, we build it. Our intention with this podcast from the beginning is to build it so that it can be put into something. So you, we, right. we create this idea. People could come in and change it, but the idea is you're able to drop this and take a lot of the ideas so whether it's a book or tabletop game you can just take this idea set it down and then you can manipulate it from there
2: yeah and the best thing about what we've already built is it it took maybe a couple of hours you know maybe an hour or longer over the course of a week for each of us to think about some of this stuff so you know and we've we've built three real npcs and we've flushed out some very basic things and we've already we've got a very workable uh scenario
0: this this could be uh, an incredible th- three different mission choices you choose one of the factions and then whatever whoever rises whoever they help tips the scale the
2: the other thing i think that's great about it too is it get, it's a good starting location like you maybe you even start uh start your story in this place and you know being as that it is you know sort of a Cinderella story type of town where you you can go from nothing to something pretty quick if depending on how your cards are played no pun intended
0: oh i didn't discuss uh i didn't discuss taverns you reminded me of with starting location uh the all the booze is imported it would
2: have to be
1: yeah i when we were doing the first episode i was thinking like i wonder if the guild a part of what we do is we also have like a brewery off the main set and a distillery and like part of the guild could do that but i think water is water that's probably for the best and then yeah everything being brought in
2: yeah i think it's fair to say you're probably not going to find a lot of uh like uh, wine or any finer beverages in like the lower quarters and districts. Most of that stuff is kept to the, you know, the, the wealthier upper middle class and, and wealthy districts um, places of it, leisure entertaining. Travelers. It is a, it,
0: it is a premium in the city. It is, it is one of those, uh, one of those cards that is held.
2: It's mainly reserved for like mm-hmm. the upper echelons of the travelers that come through and maybe like the higher ups in government and, And, you know, obviously your people.
1: Yeah, the lower class might have, like, really watered down alcohol. Like, you know, they'd water down wine and stuff for travel because the alcohol would keep the, like, the water fresh for longer. And so you could have some of that for people traveling in. But maybe having some function... That the guild works out for um, even sanitizing like gross water, and then that's what the you know the really down and out people drink is just you drop a you drop a tablet in almost reclaimed like sewage water, and it clears it up, and then you have to drink that if you're like really down and out. But that's a whole nother thing
2: or, or maybe they the these people are so it's so bad where they're drinking like irrigation runoff or something like that where they're getting like the yucky stuff
1: i I like to think I like to think maybe we haven't gotten that or like we haven't gotten as bad as what I' just brought up and what you brought up <laughs> um I like to think maybe we still we are we're still doing rationings and we haven't gone all like, the first thing that comes to my mind is Snowpiercer, where it's you know we're not feeding people with insect bars and stuff like that yet. But if you if you want to make it kind of grim and dark,
2: we don't have to go that far. I mean, that's pretty dark. I, I mean, we mm-hmm. did this.
0: Ast- we did not. This is dark, but we did establish there's a slums. I'm assuming. I'm assuming yeah, that the people sure. in the slums are unable to bathe. They are drinking whatever water they are able to get, barely able to survive. And at that point, those people are using water and water chips as currency. People, co- people going in to Aragol's casino with water chips, trying to get more chips or money or whatever, just so they can secure clean drinking water.
1: Yeah, I I feel like there's, there's almost a line of separation between people are drinking, or they're conserving water from without bathing, and, you know, they're doing some of that stuff. Everyone pisses in a tub that they can then, like, purify using just, like, boiling it off and collecting the steam to make water like i feel like there's a line between destitute and desperate you know like survival and you know it would be nice if i wasn't thirsty all the time you know what i mean yeah
2: i think i think water is kind of a fine line because like you gotta have water like you can only go a few like you can't go very long without fucking water before you're dead so i think uh if circumstances get that dire i think that um one thing we should consider is this is a hub in the middle of a desert. At least I'd say we'd say, what, a week away from any major next hub or something like that? Or would we say it's like three days away from the nearest in any direction? A couple days.
1: Yeah, I like having it be a little on the week to 10 days line. Um because
2: otherwise, why would you need to stop here like for water? You would just pack it with you.
1: Yeah, I figure like people who are traveling, they might bring a couple like wine barrels full of water on a journey. I, I was imagining
0: that this was say the desert takes like six days to cross, so like six days to a week. This would be pretty close to around the middle. So people would get here in three days be able to make sure their rations and stuff are up to par, stay in the, I saw this stay in a hotel. And then I saw this
2: as a much larger desert. Like maybe it takes longer than, you know, than that to cross. Maybe like getting across this desert is like, it's going to take you like a week, like maybe two weeks to to get across. How long does it take
0: to cross like the Sahara? Uh, I don't know. It's great. Because that'd be a good reference point.
1: Yeah, I was... That's the first desert when you come to mind. Like, big dunes Two, and...
0: Okay, so you're kind of right. Two weeks is what it says to uh, cross the Sahara
2: on camel. That makes sense. But, uh, like, you'd imagine horse and buggy might be a little bit faster, but still, it's it's long enough that you're not going to be able to pack possibly all the supplies you're going to need. You're going to need to stop, like, a place to stop and, and like, uh, rest up and, and break up the journey a little bit.
0: Either way, I'm fine with it. I I was thinking a week to cross the entire desert. If, if it's a little bit longer, that's fine. You
1: guys want to call it, like, 10 or 12 days? That works. For... Yeah, that seems all right.
2: It, yeah, and it doesn't necessarily have to be equal for each direction either. Right. Like, I don't know exactly if we're gonna have a perfectly east, like north, south, east, west in every direction. There's a big city that's exactly seven days away or whatever, fourteen days away. But that seems a little, a little strange.
0: Probably a good point to cap things off on. We have we established all three of our factions and now we've kind of discussed a couple of the extra nitty gritty things that we need to get out of the way so i think this is about the end of the episode uh we can get back at you guys in the next episode